uh, worship team, wonderful. Uh, definitely uh, our prayers are with uh, uh, Minor and Morgan and Baby Ellie. We're grateful to have such an amazing worship team uh, to be able to help out and uh, over this time. And so just thank you so much to Jim as well. Uh, your thoughts leading us uh, in prayer this morning. I got a lot of texts. Hey, you're just going to pray now. Church is over. It's like, no, I've, I've prepared something. Um, but Jim, but uh, I want to start on a little bit more uh, of a sober note. Uh, uh, we lost um, Susan Wheeler's mom, Dee Dee, passed away on Friday and uh, has gone home to be with Jesus. And, uh, you know, we definitely feel for the family. You know, one of the things uh, three, four years ago, about there was the first time I met her. And she had come to our uh, Cumberland service. And I laugh because if you've been to that building, it's laughable uh, all by itself. Um, you just don't know which lights are working. You feel for your life when you go in there. But you know God is protecting you uh, the whole way. And so they ventured in with us and all the college students. And, uh, you know, every time I get up to preach, what I do is I look around and, and when you speak, you look for comforting places, right? People that aren't going to scare you. Uh, I usually avoid my dad on Sundays, amen, right? Um, but, I, but I remember as I, as I looked, uh, Dee Dee was sitting right here. And, and so I was kind of looking for that spot. And every time uh, I locked eyes with her, she was fully engaged. There was a warmth and there was a comfort that came just being able to look right at that spot every time knowing I got at least one person paying attention. <laughs> Come on, college students, you know what I'm talking about, right? And so it was just, it, it, I, I'll, it's, it's seared in my mind, something I'll never forget. And so we're, we're so grateful to have the Wheelers here with us. We're so thankful for Dee Dee and her love. We know uh, she's up in heaven, and we can't wait to be with her uh, someday. So thank you so much. We love you guys. You're wonderful. Um, so we're going to dive into uh, the service. I, I just want to say one more thing. Thank you uh, to the AV team for spelling my name right. Um, we're like four weeks in a row, guys, um, and we and I think it's a trend. I'm just glad we didn't spell it G-Y-M Taylor, you know what I'm saying? But it's uh, we're working on it. We're doing our best, and uh, so we apologize. Uh, there's a reason your name's spelled wrong, and talk to your Bible talk leader about that. Amen. Um, that's all I'm going to say. I don't want to hurt the AV. They work really hard. Just talk to all your Bible talk leaders. Amen. i got to look out for my AV team because you just never know what slides will be put up later. Amen. So something, you know, I personally, I just started studying about during my times with God is the biblical perspective when it comes to missionary work. Um, this is just stuff I'm doing on my own. We see the church start to pred, uh, spread around the martyrdom of Stephen and Acts. Uh, but that was a very unorganized uh, spreading, a very unorganized happening, if you would. And then after that, we see Paul and Barnabas and others going on a more intentional route to different cities in different places and preaching the gospel with a, with a very specific agenda. And so I'm not going to spend too much time on the missionary element of that. But there was this concept that I saw when I looked at Paul in the manner in which he helped the people and the churches, okay? Instead of Paul leading every church, which would have been extremely overwhelming, and doing all the work, he built a system in which people could raise up and take over. So he himself and Barnabas, they, they could move on from place to place and know that the church would be in good hands because the people who were from there could take over and, and raise that uh, church up. And so what we see, it's the difference between paternal mentoring relationships versus fraternal mentoring ones. 
parenting versus kind of like a one-on-one relationship, brothers-in-arms type relationships. And, and so these are the two types of relationships. We plant churches, but he wants these churches to stay there for as long as it takes till Jesus comes back. And, and what we see in that is he wants to raise up locals. He, he wants to build a partnership with them, and he wants to have these type of connections. And when I look closely at, at this, I see churches where the people have bought into what Paul was selling. They're all together, and they continue to do the work that was before them, regardless of who was there and who wasn't there, because they were all connected and focused on Jesus. So as we look at the scriptures today, okay, my hope is that we can either discover our purpose or our passion in our local ministry, or if you know what that is, just continue in it. Depending on where you're at, wherever you're at, just continuing in it. And I think in this, we can continue to grow to be who God wants us to be. Amen? Amen. So the title of my lesson this morning, and hear me out on this one, is Once More Unto the Breach. And so this phrase occurs in Act 3 of William Shakespeare's Henry V. And this is the English part of me. You got the, you got the minor, now you get the major. Amen. Um, this, so the scene begins in this middle of this blockade uh, of Harfleur as King Henry's army has blown up some French fortifications. And now what he's doing is he's encouraging his army to attack the city by uttering these famous lines. And it says, once more, close the wall up with the English dead. And the meaning behind this phrase is, let's keep going. Let's keep trying. And the king's urging them to attack on and to demonstrate their courage. Show your courage. Go. And this phrase implies that one goes into battle again, no matter whether it's in real life or or, or a real battle or, or an emotional one or a battle in your daily life, but that goes into battle and having the heart that I'm just going to keep trying. I'm just going to keep going after it regardless of what's before me because I, I, I believe I'm inspired to continue. When it comes to our lives, you know, and, and being about our purpose, I feel like oftentimes we need a good reminder to just keep going. We just need someone to remind us because we hit walls, right? We fall short. We have discouraging moments, sometimes every single day. And we need these pick-me-up type moments to help us get back where we need to be. You know, I found myself recently um, becoming more sensitive in all areas of my life. And I completely blame my daughters for this, right? This is totally their fault. Um, all three of them are wonderful, but they're softening me up. It's a collective effort. They're, they're working on me. Things I'd usually push through easily, uh, I seem to linger on longer than I would prefer. It's like, why am I still You're growing? I don't, that doesn't mean I like it, right? <laughs> I don't like this side of me. It's just not what I was raised up thinking. Amen. But in these moments, when I, when I become this way, it helps to have people in my life that just by being themselves can center me back to where I need to be, can, can get me back focused on either the task ahead or my relationship with God or whatever needs to be. But just having these relationships are, are so beneficial. You know, Todd will call me up and he'll just say, hey, bro, let, let's go play some disc golf. Uh, yes, let's go. You know, and, and it's not like we're going to have these deep conversations, but it's just out in being able to feel normal again, that goes a long way. You know, oftentimes what Kelly will do when I'm in this situation is, hey, I got a sitter, let's go to the movies, or, or let's go get a bite to eat for dinner real quick. 
in just, just a moment to feel like be normal. And she does a great job helping me with that. I, my father-in-law one time, he called me up and he said, hey, I've got an extra baseball ticket. Let's go to a game. I said, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. And, it, and all it was was just an opportunity to be out and, and be normal. And I think we need people in our lives that are going to help us draw us back to center. Because when we're not, we get really weird. And it's not a good thing. And I think for me, these moments are paramount to help get me back to either where I need to be or with my relationship with God. Just checking in at your weekly times, right? Your, your weekly, your, maybe it's your house church or, or here on Sundays or your devotionals. Just checking in in the normal environment isn't going to snap you out of it. You need someone to go, hey, let's get a cup of coffee. Hey, let's, let's do something. I remember the teens, it was like, hey, let's go to the batting cages. Let, let, let's just get out, let's go. And, and just do something to get your mind off wherever it is. Those are the times where you sort of talk, you, you sort of listen, but you just connect. And you help point people back to where they need to go. In those moments, our fraternal relationships, uh, they are. And where help was teaching his disciples from early on. In fact, he says this line directly in Luke chapter 18. Luke 18, verse 1. It says, then Jesus told a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. I love it when it makes it so clear what this parable is about. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, writers. Amen. He, he said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversity. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about what people think, yet because this widow keeps bugging me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come back and attack me. Bold man, all right. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? You know, Jesus literally tells his disciples a parable so they will learn how to pray and never give up. Keep going. The lesson that they need to learn here is they just got to be persistent. Be persistent with God, keep going after that relationship, and, and just, you know, move forward on it. He goes, surely if this unjust judge will grant justice, what will God do? What will God do for you? You know, it's interesting because I, I look at this story and I think this is the same mentality and approach we need to have with each other. We're going to keep going in, until those relationships are, are unified. We're going to keep going and, and, and keep pushing through and keep persevering with each other until we can connect and, 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 and be that unity that we know we need to be. We should lovingly go after relationships that are all around us. Why? Because we desperately need each other. If we're going to make it to heaven one day, we need each other. We need that fellowship. We need to try. And we need to strive each and every day for unity and not just on our prearranged times we meet together. He knew the importance of these relationships, and he wanted to help prepare his disciples for that time when ultimately he would be gone, and it would be just them. He was training his people to be successful in his absence. He, he didn't want to build a, a situation in which everything had to go through him, because once he left, then it would have all fallen apart. And we see them, uh, and we see this situation. Here's a few examples that I'm talking about. 
In John 4, in, in verse 1 and 2, it says, Now Jesus has learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but it was his disciples. So early on, he's teaching them the importance of putting people in the water, how to do it. I'm not going to do all the work here. You've got to figure out how to do this. I will help you. In Matthew 14, when Jesus is feeding the 5,000, the disciples wanted to send the people away so they could go eat. And Jesus replies in Matthew 14, verse 16, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. You figure it out. And it's such a Jesus moment because it would have been very easy, and it makes a lot of sense to help these people go. Hey, they need to take care of themselves. We want to make sure they're okay. We want to let them go. But Jesus was bigger than that. No, you figure it out. You, as the leaders, take care of their needs. In Luke 9 and in a few other places, Jesus sends out the 12 how to do these things. Jesus didn't want to create a culture in which everything would be top-heavy. All the work was coming from the top. Instead, he wanted everybody working together in different roles to make God's name known around the world. And that was his goal. He wanted the people to work together. You know, in uh, Peanuts, there's a cartoon, uh, Lucy, demands, it's up on the screen there, demands that Linus change the TV channel, threatening him with her fist if he doesn't. She says, switch channels. Pauses. I said, switch channels. I, I want to watch my program. Are you kidding? What makes you think you can just walk right in here and take over? These five fingers, individually, they're nothing. But when I curl them together like this into a single unit, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. Uh, what channel do you want to watch? Why can't you guys get organized like that? Linus explains himself. And so what we see here is together... The impact is far greater than it is when they're alone. Linus always needs a little bit of encouragement. Amen. But I, but I think this is such a true story for us. And I think the issue becomes when we, we have a situation, right, and we're not working it all together, it's, it's just not as powerful. It's, it's just not as powerful. And oftentimes it's just not as good. I mean, I, oftentimes even on top of that, like when it is good, the people that didn't contribute – uh, or the people that did get bitter to the people who didn't, right? I think of it like a group project where you got an A, but there was that person that didn't earn it. And so you're like, I got an A, but I'm not happy about it. Because <laughs> not everybody carried their weight. Come on, son. You know, it's like, do your part. And I think as we evaluate our walks with God and our partnerships with one another, we have to ask, are we contributing to the work or taking credit for what others have done? Are we contributing to the work or are we taking credit for what others have done? And, you know, and when we sit back like that, we miss an opportunity to continue to mature the way God wants us to mature and the way God wants us to grow. And, you know, we see Paul addressing this in 1 Corinthians. We also see the Hebrews writer uh, address this to his audience as well, but I'm not going to spend time there. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, brothers and sisters... I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. Arguments that are coming from you guys, 
Some say they follow Paul, while others say they follow Apollos. Uh, Apollos and, and Paul's response is like, we all follow God. <laughs> you're missing the point. You're, you're siding with people and you're, you're going under their umbrella. But at the end of the day, we all follow God. And that's the point. And Paul is calling these people to avoid these worldly in, in kind of silly arguments here and focus on working together as they move towards God. You know, I feel like we live in an age where there's a lot of people talking about doing stuff and there's not a lot of boots on the ground. A lot of people have got big dreams, but they're not doing something about it. You know, I, I'm super guilty of this. I've been talking about learning Russian for a long time. And the most work I've done is I've purchased a study guide, and this is which I was really hoping would happen, right? It's not, it's not happening. The busyness of life gets in the way, and we take that project, whatever it is, and we put it up there on the shelf and say, hopefully I can get back to it later. Hopefully I can do something, you know, where you'd love to get to it someday if I could find the time. But it's a whole, a whole other thing. If you've got things you've been thinking about doing for God that you've put on the shelf as well. And you're missing opportunities to serve, to get, because you're just not feeling it. Or you've become too busy. You know, I, I think it's about time we stop thinking about great things we can do for God someday. We just start being individuals of action. We just start being individuals who want to do something now, today. And, and then we do it. And stop making it a dream, but start making it a reality. These are the things I want to do for God. So what does that mean to you? Maybe it's, hey, I want to start a Bible talk at work. I've been thinking about this for a while. Amen. Maybe it's as simple as, hey, I just, I think it would be really good if I start having my neighbors over for dinner. Just trying to meet some people. Amen. Or, or maybe you're way more creative than I am and you've already got things in mind. Amen. But I think it's, it's that time. I just got to do it. I, I just got to get rid of all the excuses and go, God, what can I do? How can I do my part to make your name known? I think we just need to remove all the excuses and step out on faith. That's the bottom line. Just to make a decision, I'm going to step out on faith. You know, in Matthew 25, there's a story that we know. And it's a story that, that I feel like applies here. In Matthew 25, verse 14, we'll read for a minute. It says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he has gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went out at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the one who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. 
Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I know that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you know that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so we see here the servants, they put their money, the servants that put their money to work saw a great return. And the servant that didn't, but instead buried the money in the ground, was condemned. And to me, what's fascinating about this passage is the servant who was given one bag of gold knows his master, knows what he likes, and knows what he doesn't like, and knew what he probably should have done, but instead took the easy way out. That servant didn't lose any money, sure, but the frustration from the master came that the servant made no effort. That was the frustration. He didn't even bother to try. Think about that in the context of our life. God is not looking for you to just float by as a Christian. He's not looking for you to just barely make it, although sometimes that is the case. But that's not the goal. In fact, according to this passage, we can be thrown out to the, into the darkness if we have that attitude to just get by. God wants everything from you. He wants to just keep going because that's what he has always done for us and always will continue to do for us. We will fail. We will get punched in the mouth. But it's about making a decision to be resolute and to keep trying. That's something I believe we can all do. It's something we can all do to just get up and keep going. Sometimes that's harder for others. I get it. But that's what God is calling from us. You know, as King Henry attempted to lead his people back into that now broken down wall, he gave this speech to rally the troops behind him. It was a call to arms. It was a call to keep fighting and keep trying. It was a call to never give up. And it reads, once more, under the breach, dear friends, once more. Or close the wall up with England, English dead. In peace there's nothing, so becomes a man, as modest stillness and humility. But when the blast of war blows in our ears, then intimate the action of the tiger. Stiffen the sinews, summon up the blood, disguise fair nature with hard-favored rage. Then lend the eye of a terrible aspect. Let pry those the porridge of the head with their brass cannon. Let the brow overwhelm it as fearfully as doth gallowed rock. Or hang and jutty his confused base, swilled with the wild and wasteful ocean. Now set the teeth in stress English whose blood is fed from feathers of war-proof, fathers that, like so many Alexanders, have in these parts for, uh, from morn till evening fought, and sheath their swords for lack of argument. Dishonor not your mothers. Now attest that those whom you called fathers did beget you. Be copy now to men of grosser blood, and teach them how to war. And you, good yeomen, whose limbs were made in England, show us here the metal of your pasture, let us swear that you are worth your breeding, which I doubt not. For there is none of you so mean and base that I hath not noble luster in your eyes. I see you stand like greyhounds in the slips, straining upon the start 
the game's afoot. Follow your spirit, and upon the charge, cry, God for Harry, England, and St. George. And then God, too, is calling us, not for king and country, amen, but for your brothers and for your sisters and for all whom are far off and for all who our Lord, will, our God, will call. Amen. Thank you.